This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, September 21st. I'm Kate Trinko. And I'm Daniel Davis. Washington remains fixated this week on the allegations brought against Judge Brett Kavanaugh, but in the midst of it all, 65 women who knew him in high school have come to his defense. Daily Signal reporter Rachel Del Judas spoke to one of those women, and she'll join us to share exclusive audio from that interview. Plus, a Michigan high school is getting rid of the homecoming queen because of bullying. We'll have some hot takes on that. But first, we'll cover a few of the top headlines. Brett Kavanaugh's accuser, Christine Blasey Ford, says she's open to testifying now before the Senate Judiciary Committee, just not on Monday. On Wednesday, the committee's chairman, Chuck Grassley, gave her a deadline of Friday at 10 a.m. to decide if she wants to testify the following Monday. At first, she had declined, but now that Republicans, including some key swing votes, are signaling they'll go through with Kavanaugh's confirmation vote if they don't hear from her, she's expressing more willingness. On Thursday, her lawyers said that she was open to the possibility of testifying next week, but not on Monday. They say that would be arbitrary. President Trump isn't happy over the state of play on spending right now. In a tweet Thursday, the president tweeted, I want to know where is the money for border security and the wall in this ridiculous spending bill? He added, Dems are obstructing law enforcement and border security. Republicans must finally get tough. Well, ever since Scott Pruitt resigned as head of the EPA in the wake of an ethics controversy, things there have been a little uncertain. But Fred Lucas of the Daily Signal reports that changes are now afoot. In an exclusive report, he says the number two lawyer at EPA will now be a political appointee. Up until now, that role has been filled by Kevin Minoli, a career employee who was also there under Obama. But now Minoli is leaving, and the Trump administration is capitalizing by making sure that one of its own people fills that role. So, translation, the deep state is on the retreat at the EPA. Representative Eric Swalwell, Democrat from California, who actually represents my home district, apologized Thursday for remarks he made about Senator Susan Collins, Republican of Maine. In a tweet, which is now deleted, Swalwell said in reference to an article about threats Collins had received, boo, who, who. You're a senator who police will protect. A sexual assault victim can't sleep in her home tonight because of threats. Where are you sleeping? She's on her own while you and your Senate GOP colleagues try to rush her through a hearing. He tweeted Thursday, I said something stupid and minimized ugly behavior. That tweet is deleted, and I'm sorry for that. Well, as we reported yesterday, the Trump administration is cutting the number of refugees that will be allowed into the U.S. next year by a third, from 45,000 to 30,000. Well, one powerful Republican in the House is quite upset that Congress wasn't consulted about that. In a statement issued Thursday, House Judiciary Chairman Bob Goodlatte said, quote, The law is clear. The administration must consult with Congress prior to the president's determination of the annual refugee ceiling. But this did not happen this year, and the Trump administration has no excuse for not complying with their obligation under the law, end quote. He even suggested that the president's decision could be legally invalid because of the process by which it was made. Earlier this month, Walmart urged the Trump administration to recognize tariffs could lead to price hikes. The retail giant sent a letter reported on by CNN Money Wednesday to the U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer warning about placing new tariffs on goods from China. Quote, the immediate impact will be to raise prices on consumers and tax American business and manufacturers, end quote. 
Uh, that's what Walmart warns. And of course, plenty of goods sold in Walmart are from China. Well, former Secretary of State John Kerry has taken flack for meeting with foreign leaders after having served in office. He recently admitted to having met with the Iranian foreign minister and discussed the recently scrapped Iran nuclear deal. Some have said that amounts to shadow diplomacy. The current Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, sent a clear message to Kerry on Wednesday. Here's what he said during a Fox News interview with Lord Ingram. Secretary Kerry can't seem to get off the stage. And you have to. When I'm the former secretary, I'll get off. Uh, every previous former secretary has done that, too. It's, it's one thing to meet with your counterpart. It's another thing to do with Secretary Kerry, Wendy Sherman, Ernest Moniz. Frankly, the whole gang has done, which is to actively seek to undermine what President Trump is trying to achieve. It's OK to talk with them, but you have to be working for America, working for American foreign policy. And they're not. They're, they're working for the foreign policy that is theirs not the one that belongs to the United States. Next up, we'll talk to Rachel Del Judas about a new interview she has in relation to the Kavanaugh allegation. Joining us today is Rachel Del Judas, a reporter for The Daily Signal. She has interviewed another one of the women, the 65 women, who signed a letter last week saying that they knew Brett Kavanaugh in high school. And in this letter, talked about his character and how he was a good guy, etc. A crucial, obviously, character validation at this time. Rachel, um, you were able to speak to one of the women on phone this week. Uh, can you please tell us about that and share from that interview? Sure. Well, uh, I spoke to Lisa Heap. She uh, graduated in 1983 from Georgetown Visitation Preparatory High School, and that's actually the same year that Judge Kavanaugh graduated. He just went to the boys' version of this prep school in Georgetown. And essentially what she told me is that she uh, saw Brett Kavanaugh as a man of character, that he is someone that she said you know women would want to date, and she said that she couldn't see essentially him in the kind of situation that Uh, Dr. Ford, the woman who is accusing him of sexual assault, is placing him in. So I'd like to play for you a few uh, of the excerpts of uh, the interview from her so you can hear her story, hear her, um, just what she thinks about Judge Kavanaugh. What made me sign it is, um, is, well, I've been following the proceedings because, uh, well, I follow this stuff anyway, but more so because we knew I knew Judge Kavanaugh Brett when he was in, in high school, and I have I was sad to see how he was being treated even before this accused person came out. Um, the process has become so politicized. Truly, it's it, it saddens me that people get treated the way that they get treated. But uh, when this accuser came out. Um, or this accusation came out, uh, we ra- I rallied around it because uh, around him because we felt that uh, this was not something that could be true of this person mm-hmm. of Brett. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was out of character. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's interesting, even in in those small social circles in Washington D.C. private you know, boys and girls schools, you kind of, you know, there were certain people who had reputations and people that, you know, had creepy reputations, people who had reputations for being partiers, things like that. He, he did not. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, we, we all partied a little bit, but he didn't have that reputation of being like an over crazy partier. 
and he had the reputation of being a responsible, kind, respectful person. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind, the kind of person you would probably want to date. <laughs> so that was, and, and and you know, there wasn't a pattern of of kind of any behavior uh, that I would that I recall from high school. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fishy. Absolutely mm-hmm. fishy. It's not. It's not right that uh, at the eleventh hour this is brought forward. It's 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 absolutely uh, a last ditch effort by people who don't want him nominated to you know to derail his nomination. Absolutely, it's it's obvious to me, and they can say all that they want that it wasn't, but it's clear. Yeah. It's clear to most people. What I thought was interesting uh, from our discussion, that's just a part of it, we talked for a little while, was that she said, you know, Washington, D.C. is a small town. There are small social circles. And she knew of people where she could say, oh, this is someone that I could imagine behaving this way. But she said Judge Kavanaugh was not one of those people. Something else um, that we talked about and that I think is also being ignored is that um, well, it's being ignored by the mainstream media for sure, and at least in the reporting that I've done, the people that I've talked to, is that this has become a very political discussion to stop the proceedings, the confirmation proceedings that are happening. And that she she said, you know, I, I follow these kinds of discussions and Supreme Court nominations anyways. She just sounded like she's somewhat... Um, interested in politics and all of this, but she said, I've seen this just blow up and it's become extremely politicized. And because she knows him and knows his character, because she went to school with him, went to parties with him, went to sporting events, was in different social settings. I, I just found it, it's, it's, it was interesting to hear her perspective because I haven't heard a perspective like this from mainstream media and I watch it a lot. So Right. And of course, as you told us about on a podcast earlier this week, you were able to speak to one of the other women who signed this letter. On a slightly different note, you also on Thursday went to Senator Grassley's office and got to see some, I guess, protests in action. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So there was uh, not a huge crowd. I would say there's maybe, I don't know, 50 to 70 people who crammed into the office of Senator Grassley um, in the heart in an office building. And essentially... And I, I, I should note, I didn't provide context, that Senator Grassley is the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. So obviously yes. a powerful figure in determining whether um, how the vote is held on Kavanaugh and whether it goes forward. Yes. So there were, I'd say about 50 to 70 people who crammed in there. They were, when I got there, they were basically just eating lunch, passing around sandwiches, passing around water bottles. And when I asked, there was about one guy that I talked to and he was really interested in speaking about why he was there. But then when I asked another woman, could I talk to you about what your concerns are, why you're here today in the senator's office? And she said, oh no, everyone's too busy, too occupied eating lunch to talk to anyone. (laughs) And they were all talking to each other. One lady was like brushing on, like brushing up her makeup. There were people, obviously they were all talking because there was like a like there it was a, like a dinner great chatter in there it was it was like a picnic but they were also protesting I, so i used to do these pro-life protests we'd have to like pray or hold signs like this sounds like a picnic it was a picnic it was a picnic at one point it got so crowded in this it was this very small office very small sitting area 
that a police officer had to come in and clear some of the people out so more people could come in and get food. So they said, <laughs> if you've already eaten, please leave the premises if you're ambulatory so to make room for other people who haven't gotten to eat yet. So not many people wanted to talk. There were a few people that I did talk to, and essentially they were saying that she shouldn't be forced to testify, but her testimony Meaning, should be uh, heard. Christine, Dr. Like, Ford. Yeah. Uh, so she shouldn't be forced to testify, but yeah, we should hear what she has to say. And then another person said she shouldn't even be in the same room with Judge Kavanaugh. So uh, a lot of different kinds of people there, but it was just interesting to see them say and hear them say that we want to hear her story and she should be honored and respected, which she should be. And I think her story needs to be heard. But they said it's, you know, for her to come and speak at the hearing on Monday, that's too rushed and she shouldn't have to do it if she doesn't want to. Did you get the sense that they sort of automatically believed her over Kavanaugh or that they just wanted a kind of a long process? Talking to them, it sounded like they they did call her a survivor. Many of them did. So it sounds like they do believe her. Um, And I think it's just interesting that they were just like, this is too rushed. Saying she should come on Monday is basically out of the question and she should be able to name the time and the place, which... I'd like to remind people, Senator Grassley's office, they did extend that offer to her lawyer, and they said if she wants to name a different time or a location, they would try to accommodate that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us again, Rachel. And thanks for going into the belly of the beast. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Kelsey Harkness, co-host of Problematic Women, a podcast and Facebook Live that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of the feminist left. Subscribe and tune in for our weekly episodes every Thursday on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chelsea High School is ending its tradition of having a homecoming queen. Instead, the school will dole out excellence awards. Why? Well, Michigan Radio reports, quote, Maddie Dunlap, a sophomore, and I gotta love this, the student council's public relations chairperson, said the tradition of choosing homecoming royalty had led to bullying and hurt feelings in the past. Girls were getting nominated without knowing it, and Dunlap said that some girls were being nominated as a joke, end quote. Then Drew Vanderspool, who's apparently the student council president, told Michigan Radio, quote, Previously with the Homecoming Queen Award, we thought that it was saying that as a school, we really valued the kids that were the prettiest or the most popular, end quote. Talk about a crazy, insane, out-of-sync high school. Joining us today is Lauren Evans, one of our producers and all-around video guru at the Daily Signal and the Heritage Foundation. And as I discovered this morning in a meeting, she was not the homecoming queen, but was some sort of lady-in-waiting or court member. I don't understand. I was, I was, I was on the ballot. I was on the you ballot. You were on the ballot. So, okay. So know. tell us so about I your— I actually lost. And did that traumatize you for life for I mean, a few I still, years? Every, every night I, I lay in my bed and I think about it. I'm just kidding. It, honestly, <laughs> I think this is the first time in my professional life I've ever even brought it up. That's not on your resume? It's You know, I just didn't have the space. <laughs> was on ballot? Yeah, so was, it was on like, ballot. Did you have to, how did you get on the ballot? Was there like a preliminary thing? She was popular, Danielle. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> So just, you had to meet a threshold. Like, it, it like comes down from heaven, <laughs> yes. you know? No, so in my high school for for... When in Florida, in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida, Holler Duval, um, there is they my class was like 800 kids, so it's huge. And so there's a tons of homerooms, right? And so maybe from like Anderson to 
Cooper is one homeroom, so alphabetically. So Anderson mine was and like Cooper. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Nice I, I actually didn't mean to do out. that. <laughs> um, but so for like the C's to the F's, I was in there because my last name is Evans, and so you just kind of go and everybody has to write down a name, and so my name got written down, and I guess it got I like written how down calm the most. You are about this, yeah. And um, you know, I'm uh, and Pretty so. Yeah, and some people went from there, like, they actually, like, campaigned and, you know. And there's the people who are obviously going to win, but, yeah. Did you not on the ballot. campaign then? I did not campaign. Was that because you felt you were above this or because you didn't see a realistic path to victory? Uh, I think, you know, like, back then. Couldn't break through that blue wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I kind of wanted to play it cool, you know. You're in <laughs> high school and you don't want to, like, try too hard. Oh, gosh. Uh, but I also was uh, on the student council, and you mentioned uh, the spokesperson in their statement. And from the public article, relations chairperson, excuse me, please, excuse me, this public is relations a corporation conglomerate. I don't know. Well, she said the student council's job is to make the high school feel safe. And as someone who was also on student councils in high school, that literally was not what we did. <laughs> we planned prom. We printed T-shirts. We need adults to keep high school students safe. If we're relying on students to keep students safe, I, I just like they're they're totally out of their lane here. Yeah, might have a David Hogg situation before too long. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think about you know this Michigan high school that wants to get rid of homecoming queen? Is it is it a positive development or is it is it not? Oh, I think it's absolutely insane. I mean, they're not. Why famous. is it insane? What you really think? <laughs> They're not fixing the problem. I mean, if bullying is happening in their school, just because they don't officially do it, the bullying is still going to happen. I mean, they're totally naive to think that this is going to fix anything. Yeah, so I think what irritates me on a more serious note about it, I mean, and I was homeschooled, so I didn't experience a lot of those peer pressures. So so you were homecoming queen of your homeschool. I was homecoming queen and most nerdy person. But didn't you have sisters class. to compete against? Uh, I What? Wait. Didn't you have sisters in, in your homeschool? Like, they were babies then. They oh, okay. were six years younger than yeah. okay. So basically children. So they were the princesses. You were the queen. <laughs> Hashtag true life. <laughs> um, no. Uh, oh, my gosh. I totally lost my train of thought. But basically, what I'm trying to say is, like, what irritates me is, like, so to sound not super modest right now, like, I'm a smart person. I've always been a smart person. I've always did well in school. And part of that was because I worked hard. But a larger part of it was because. Just gifted. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, I was. You know, born smart. That's not something I can control. <laughs> I know I sound like the worst right now. But I think that part of growing up is realizing that different people have different gifts. There are people who are born more attractive. There are people who are born with better personalities. There is certain stuff that you can do to work toward it. Like, for instance, I'm too lazy. I would never curl my hair before school. There are women who do that. It drives me like I'm just like, why would you bother? But whatever. So work can play some role into this. But ultimately, life is unfair. And I think if you think high schools can sort of ignore that or the only gifts that they care about are academic, that does a real disservice to the kids. Yeah. And I mean, your whole life, it, it is scientifically proven that more attractive people are going to have an easier life. I think of uh, 30 Rock when, <laughs> you know, Tina Fey dates John Hamm. 
Oh my gosh, yes, the bubble episode. Exactly. And and that he lives in the bubble and he doesn't understand. And, and obviously So if you're not familiar, John Hamm is this uh, actor who is considered to be very good looking for Mad Men. And yeah, the whole joke of the episode is he's so beautiful. He has no idea what life is like if you're not beautiful. Yeah. I think at one point he makes Gatorade chicken and he thinks it tastes delicious because <laughs> people have told him his whole life. <laughs> um but, nice. but I mean it's a fact of life. Like attractive people are going to be treated better and, and if you're smart, you're gonna have an easier job. Um, path in the your career and it's something that you should learn when you're 15 16 17 years old of how to deal with it how to stop some of this favoritism yourself like Mm -hmm. you could campaign for maybe the person who's not the prettiest but who's the nicest you see so many of these stories where a person with down syndrome gets voted as homecoming king or queen um it they're not solving the problem by doing this they're just kind of trying to hide the problem and if they really want, were serious about solving it, they'd kind of look more internally and see what they could do to fix these relationships between students. So if I can play just a little bit of devil's advocate here, and I'm also in your boat, Kate, because I did not have a homecoming uh, at my school. It was not in America. Um, but I think, you know, we, we need to ask, like, what is homecoming about? Like, it, it, what is the purpose of having a homecoming queen? Um, and it's, it's, it's okay to like question that and to say, yeah, is this a practice that reflects like good values? And I think most of the values that are reflected are what we, what we, we choose to make of it. You know, it, it, you know, if we choose someone just because they're attractive and popular, I mean, that's, that's one possibility, but if you choose someone because they're like a genuinely good person and you know, that, that, that's another thing. So, um, I think I ultimately agree with what you're saying. Like, um, if you if you elevate someone um, for reasons that you know they they don't deserve to be elevated, then that's that's not ideal. And you sort of make of homecoming what what you will of it. Um, so I do think though the article so the article describes some people who have been nominated like as a joke. I think that's all, and that's pretty bad too. Like I think if if your school if your school like really harms somebody like like in that way, maybe they've forfeited the privilege of having homecoming because they've shown that they can't be like responsible, moral people. Well, do you think that problem of those students bullying one another is going to go away without the homecoming? I don't dance? think so, but I think I think it's one thing to recognize that you know life is unfair. But it's another thing to say, therefore, let's not change anything and try to improve things. Um, so I don't think getting rid of homecoming is the answer, but I also don't think, you know, it's, it's not worth rethinking. Like, you know, what are we valuing and why, why are we choosing people for homecoming? Uh, I, I agree with that point. And, and you kind of brought up, why do we even have homecoming? Um, it's, it's a tradition that high school and college where it's supposed to be where former alumni can come back. Typically it's associated with a football game. Um, so it is very big in tradition, and I think you are right to sometimes question tradition and how whoa, can we— Whoa, whoa, We are a conservative news outlet. We are very— It's Burkean. okay to question tradition. Yeah. We do we... not question tradition, <laughs> <laughs> except for breaking away from the British. <laughs> After 1776. No. So, <laughs> you know— Washington was homecoming king. But I think, to to your point, Kate, and to your point, Daniel, is you question tradition, but you don't throw it out. You know, we can always be trying to be better people, but at the same time, there's a reason why we do things that way. And there's yeah. a reason why. And I, I mean, I, I think what really irritates 
me about this is does see going with the idea like we can't let anyone be more special than anyone else yeah. like we're concerned about right you know any but they elevation. did say that they want to have an excellence award yeah but that that sounds sort of bsc they're giving out several it could be either yeah. gender um i mean yeah. or i guess any of the 57 but it's like moving in the direction of a participation award yeah, yeah. and it just i don't you know, whatever. It's but like Lauren. in preschool when everybody gets, you know, <laughs> I think this, you're most quiet. I was homeschooled for preschool. Oh. So I don't know about, but Lauren, Jeez. one pressing question before we let you go. Okay. You said your school council did prom. What yes. was the theme? Uh, New York, New York. That so is really it was, lame. Okay. Yeah, it was very hmm. lame, but, um, you know. <laughs> go Jacksonville. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. Congratulations <laughs> on your continued success without putting the ear on the ballot on your resume. <laughs> so we'll leave it there for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast, brought to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. And unless you're Lauren going rogue, please leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. Rob and Ginny will be with you on Monday. You've been listening to the Daily Signal podcast, executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.